Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do Copy podcast. My name is Ran. And my name is Emily and in this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things. And this episode is sponsored by Surfshark, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. So this is going to be the first of our episode by episode reviews. It's really fun to say episode by episode episodes. I will not be saying episode by episode episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, reviews, discussions, recaps, um, going into each of them. Obviously, this is going to run up until like post volume two, like volume two will be out while we're still doing these. Unless we're really efficient, but we can't get a website done. So maybe not. So we might just do like a little volume two predictions or an initial reactions when that's out, and then go back to our episode by episode episodes. Recaps. But (laughs) before we get into all of that kind of thing, if there's a place you want to hear us talk about our predictions for volume one and other things related to Stranger Things or not, sometimes we talk about books. There are many places you can hear us do that, and those places are Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible.com at Hawkins Do You Copy, and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hawkins Podcast, or YouTube and Tumblr at Hawkins Do You Copy, and at some point in the near distant future, Hawkins Fun fact every time I say that run line of things, I'm pretty sure I forget. A different one each time. I made a video for our Hawkins YouTube and had to do that at the end. It was very hard. You can mimic, but you can't beat the original. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I did do a shout out for you. It's very difficult. You do a very good job with it. Well done. How are we going to do this recap? I think is that we'll kind of separate them to the three different storylines. We're going to try and avoid spoilers for the later episodes as much as possible but obviously the season is out it is quite hard to refer to things um purely in episode one when there are things going on later on that make a bit more sense so if you want to be completely spoiler free and you're watching and listening along to us at the same time then spoiler warning possibly we will try our best especially for the big thing at the end that is your warning just keep a ear out for when it might get a little bit too spoilery. So let's start, first of all, then, with those eight minutes at the beginning. We've already kind of spoken on this, but I guess in a bit more context, how are we feeling? I really liked the way they did that. I've said before about the way the sound was and also the way that everything was very precise. And I think you're sort of supposed to... Obviously, you, you see inside Brenner's house and you see what he's doing, and I think it sort of... It's like a little insight into his world, really, isn't it? Like, how particular and how controlled everything is. And I think then, obviously, by the end of the eight minutes, his... Control is pretty much gone. And obviously, later on, we know that he actually did try and then control what then broke his control. (laughs) So... Yeah, a bit of terrible irony, that is, then, isn't it? Yes. I think it was sort of a really interesting look into the life of... Martin Brenner I think you're sort of supposed to see it as what happened at the lab which obviously we are seeing but it is also an insight into him as a person and I think that that's quite that was quite interesting to see really yeah we kind of said that before when we spoke about the eight minutes there I think it is safe to say that the comics are very much not canon from that I I personally can't think of any way that no. it can line up. I know you said you tried to think about timing stuff for that, but I, I, I but then that was that was before the season. 
uh, now the season's out. You, it doesn't even make much sense that Callie supposedly has run away. Like, how on earth did she get out? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't agree. Unless it was a case where spoilers for the later episodes. Did they try the same thing with Callie? And Callie was just like, oh, "Thanks for the way out. I'm gone." Unless it was that yeah. kind of thing. That's the only other thing I can think of because obviously the whole time, Elle did have a choice, and that yeah. choice was, you know, it, it wasn't taken because. She wants to try and help someone who had clearly didn't want to help her very much. So that's the only way I can think of it. I think, yeah, the comics, six comics and Into the Fire, is, is that it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. No. I think that's pretty much all you can say about those eight minutes. I, I wonder if we're going to see more of it in volume two in some way. Probably a little bit. Yeah, because it seems like there's a few shots from a certain account online where he, he posted a behind-the-scenes photo that we definitely didn't see in their very little time within season four. So I'm going to be interested to know how it's going to flow into things. Especially with how Seven ended. Yeah, I, it feels like there's going to be a, a little more. A little mm-hmm. more we want to see. The Duffer Brothers did go into this in an interview, which... I will not say because, if, as I said, if you are following it, it's massive spoilers for what actually goes on. They kind of explain what happens next. Yeah. So we're going to spend maybe a little bit more time in there in Papa, I think. So should we start first of all with California? Because California had probably the least to do in episode one and annoyingly for the entirety of the season. <laughs> but let's start with some California stuff. We open, obviously, with the letter from L to Mike, which I I do think it was a really nice way to open the season. It kind of really set the scene about where everyone was and, well, where Elle is, I suppose, and a bit of Will, a bit of Jonathan, just to kind of settle in that they're now in California and in Lenora Hills and everything is great. Really, really great. She promises it's absolutely great. great. She's not lying at all. She is telling the complete truth. Because friends don't friends lie. Friends don't lie. I actually saw someone today complain about this. It was um, Entertainment Today Canada. It came up on um, my YouTube. And they were saying that they didn't like what they did with Elle's character because she kind of breaks her one rule that she set from the beginning of the show, that friends don't lie. And she actually uses that against Will later in the episode. So <sighs> I kind of get it, but I think at the same time it makes sense. I don't have a big, as big a problem as... Apparently they do with it. No, I I think it's more the reason why she does it is more of a trauma response. And no, it doesn't excuse lying, but it I, that there's a reason why she did it. It wasn't it wasn't malicious. That lie didn't harm Mike or anything. It actually made Mike feel like she was okay. The only person that lie harmed was yeah. Elle. And I think obviously with things later in the season, you can kind of see as you said why she was doing it because there are direct parallels between certain elements later on and elements that are going on here so it it makes sense the biggest mystery of course with volume one and episode one is what on earth is in that painting it is keeping me up at night (laughs) it's not and honestly and stranger things today on instagram i don't know if you've seen it yet they've done they've done this thing where it's like oh picasso what is Will painting? And it's like you draw what he's painting himself. Like, just stop teasing me. It give me, give me this painting. Yeah. And I swear, if they don't give it in volume two, or suddenly the turn around, Michael will be like, "Well, oh, where's the painting, Will?" 
and it's like, oh yeah, it's uh, I, I dropped it in the runaway. I I will flip. Can you tell? I need to know what this painting is. I think you are within the majority. I think the whole internet is broken because they want to know what is on this painting, and everyone. I think everyone has come to a collective fanon decision as to what people think it is. Like I've not seen a single person disagree with the theory of what it could be. If you somehow missed it, people do think it is the day they first met on the swings. And you can kind of see the image of that. It looks a little bit like a tree. And if you if you think that it's two people, it looks like it could be two people <laughs> on a swing set. That's what it could be. Yeah. Oh, I did see a really nice theory um, that it's all of them. Yeah, I I think it would be quite nice if it was that I do find and it also kind of fits with the idea that he won't show L but also it doesn't look like it's all of them there it looks like two people on a swing with a tree by it no yeah it's super cool yeah yeah no I, I do also really need to know what is on that you think about Al's letter though I just I was gonna say about the opening really nicely paralleled in my opinion with the way season two opened which I've very much spoken about how season two after opening credits is my favourite reintroduction of here's where all these characters are at. You see Elle, Will, Jonathan and like that little introduction and then even when Nancy comes into Mike's room after he's finished reading the letter, we won't go into Hawkins just too yet but like that you still get that kind of here's where everyone is and it's a really nice opening and I think it's a few words in Elle's letter but suddenly we're like okay, here's Will, and yeah, what is he painting? And oh my God, and like we're trying to sort of figure it out. And it just had that same kind of tone to season two, which I thought was really nice. I liked the way that they did that. I also wonder if she's writing letters, because that's what Hopper did, um, because I think that's probably her last connection to him. And also, yeah. it's not a massive spoiler for the later episode, but she does keep the door open three inches, and she carries on those little things like that. So I wonder... If even though there is a phone and she has spoken to Mike on the phone in season three, I wonder if it's kind of a thing of dad wrote me letters. So I'm going to write letters yeah. to keep kind of the memory along. So obviously we see she makes a diorama, but I, I do wonder if it's just, she's trying to hang on to those. He is dad as well. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder if she's trying to hold on to those little, you know, little connections where, where she can, but that also it might be like GCSE English talking and being like yes it's doing this writing all about that i i can see it being that to be honest because she you know she's got the promise ring that mike gave her on now that's a new jewelry staple but she's also still wearing sarah's hair tie. Mm, yeah exactly i really like the idea that it's because of hopper it, it this is the first time as well that we actually hear her refer to hopper as dad which is all I've ever wanted. So when they have their reunion, I'm I'm going to need that. Please. When Will refers to Joyce around Elle, he never says my mum or me and Jonathan's mum. It's always no, mum. He doesn't. And so it's just like little moments like that. And that's, it, once again, it's giving me head a couple of episodes, but that's what I thought was really nice. I would have liked to have seen more of the Byers Hopper family. Like when, when Elle gets arrested in a few episodes later, Will's just like, uh, we're her brothers we're family we're family yeah and that is like oh give me more of them and sibling buyers and l please D- just do it but we didn't is so all i've ever wanted like you you you've seen me since the beginning you know that all i've ever wanted is joyce and hopper 
Jonathan, Will, and L. That as a family, that's all I've ever wanted. And I said, we've got it, but at what cost? <laughs> Pain. Pain is at what cost. Speaking of Jonathan, Jonathan is having a little bit of a time. And it's really interesting as well. There, there seem to be a lot of secrets and lies seems to be a theme within the Byers family. Some of them were very warranted and some of them very personal. And I think actually an overall theme for them, I've said it's secrets and lies, but it is kind of those personal struggles and all of them really figure themselves out. And that's not just Will and Elle, it's also Jonathan figuring out what he's going to do yeah. via college that he can't really let Nancy not follow her dreams. Because if he said he isn't going to, he thinks that Nancy then won't go and he'll go to the uni college because he needs to be there for Will and needs to be there for Joyce. And obviously Will has his own things going on, but we'll talk a bit more about that a little later on. And then Earl, obviously figuring out her place in California. Now, who is she without her powers? Who is Elle or Jane or, you know, she's got so many identities. Who actually is she? I really liked the way that they did some of the Jonathan stuff, actually. I've seen him get a lot of bad press online and especially because the the season seemed to be really pushing Steve and Nancy Mm. (laughs) later on and people were sort of saying well obviously Steve's so much better than Jonathan and Jonathan is not going about handling the Nancy situation in in the right way definitely not but I also understand it's some sort of I'm trying to protect her from resenting me and is it better that she just goes away now and like you can still see that he cares so much about it the the scene where she's talking to fred and he's talking to argo was uh, even though they were sort of both quite overwhelmed by it that i really liked the parallels of that scene that you got to see both of them talking and you can still that they you can see that they still love each other so much and and obviously they are going to have a reunion and i think they'll have a reunion and they'll kind of talk things out and then it won't be a Steve and Nancy situation. But I think that they do need to have that talk and obviously distance can make things a lot harder, especially in the 80s when you can't talk as much as you would like to, you know? So I think it just sort of has shown his character and and he has always sort of had to step into that dad role, you know? And now he's the other side of the country. He's not going to want to leave. He's not going to want to do that, even though Joyce wants him to. Joyce, absolutely. You can see that she's wanting him to go, but sort of the the person that he is really he's not gonna want to do that so I think it is that he is just trying to figure stuff out um and I don't think we've really seen Jonathan do that no we've seen Jonathan be very like selfless you could describe it he's always there for Will and he's always there for Joyce but he isn't really I don't know has he really been there for himself if that makes sense I don't think he really has yeah and he it's funny because you sort of see a bit later when Elle gets arrested that he just, like, immediately snaps back into, like, that parent role. After a few episodes of, like, just... Having a great time, let's say that. Having a great time. But no, but sort of also trying to figure stuff out. And and I love the scenes with Argyle. I really love that, like, Argyle has take it because not only have will and l started a new school so has jonathan and our girl was like okay and he's senior year as well and he's senior year exactly but our girl was like okay you're my friend now and like he sort of is like unwaveringly become his friend and i really like that we get to see jonathan with a friend and a friend that is the way that our girl is with him i i, I really like that no yeah i completely agree we will go back to will and l 
in a second because I think we'll see predominantly a bit more of them once they're in school. Joyce, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see Joyce in a more comedic role. We saw little bits of that in season three, arguably. I am going to assume the Goofy movie was... Is them. <laughs> I, I'm glad that they set Russia off straight from episode one, but at the same time, I'm glad that it wasn't all Russia in episode one. So I, I'm glad they left it more to episode two to fully go into what happened. Joyce actually gave me my first like proper belly laugh of the season, and that was when she had the bucket um, and was trying to crush the doll. Like That actually really made me laugh. Like The people across the street, when they were like, don't look. Like That was just... And also, the logic is so stupid, because if that had a bomb in it... it Standing away, hitting it with a bucket wasn't doing anything, was it? It does surprise me that it had been a little while and that they hadn't looked into things, especially Murray. But then there's a few things this season that Murray did, which felt a little out of character. But we'll get into that like when we get into the other episodes and stuff. But I did really like the way they were on the phone. I thought that was really funny. I think they're very like, they've complement each other very much. And I think it was nice to see... Joyce that drive that Joyce has you know because mm. the, the, the thing that kind of fuels her and the love that she has inside and how that means that she's just going to do whatever like she can no exactly yeah save the people that she loves so no I completely agree so let's skip back here to Will and Elle off the bat I do kind of wish we saw Will's presentation I think it would have been a better way to go into what they're very clearly going into with his character than having random girl try and play footsie with him under the table. <laughs> I, it was so weird. It was just... Why? Like, I understand why they've done it, but I feel like there are better ways, like the presentation he has right there. Even if it was, and it wouldn't have been nice, but even if some classmates making comments, I just think it would be an easier way to get into things and show... A scene that made me feel really awkward watching it. And maybe that was the point. And I've said before that sometimes it feels like Will's kind of like the person that is not the audience, but he's kind of the observer, kind of like, uh, uh, don't like that, don't like that. So I, yeah, I don't know yeah, if it was yeah. meant to be that kind of thing. Because there are a lot of, for example, a lot of the Will Mike scenes coming up later in the season. If you are looking yeah. at it from the perspective that they are very clearly going down you see a lot of things from Will's point of view and I, I do think it's kind of skewing opinions a little bit. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I, I do wonder if it is kind of a look how Will's, Will's feeling. Now you're feeling the same thing in regards to the awkward yeah. foot thing. But Elle's presentation, which we've seen, I feel like it, it it's so tragic. And actually her whole storyline within the school, I didn't really see it coming. I didn't expect her to be that badly bullied. No, it was really awful. I, I think the sort of only nice thing was that the, her teacher was aware of it and did take action. It seems to be a lot of like whole school against her pretty much all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, what has she done? Yeah, because also if it was just like new kid, why? Why Elwa, not Will? Will's not getting it, yeah, as much. So yeah, I don't. Oh, according to us, Will's not getting it at all. Like from a viewer's no. perspective, there's nothing. So it's literally all targeted at L. Yeah, and maybe it is because it's supposed to then show the parallels of 
things we find out later. Oh yeah, it's very clearly meant to be a parallel, I think. But but it was heartbreaking. Like it was heartbreaking. Like when she's talking about how she's really like in the letters and stuff, how she's really trying and like because also this must must be such a shock for her, like to go into a school as yeah. well, like especially a high school. Like she did not have the same upbringing level of education that all of her classmates would have had like it's difficult it must be really really difficult and I actually was just a lot of playing catch-up exactly and I was saying this to you the other day that I think it was really um ironic that Angela's presentation was on Helen Keller who was someone who um had she was deaf and blind um so uh, her education the way that she did it was obviously the way that she studied and the way that she worked was different from everyone around her but then obviously did loads of things to help other people with disabilities and Angela's there like she's amazing she that's why she's my hero and then there's Elle who is also overcoming these things who is also playing catch-up because her upbringing was different Angela does that presentation and you know that she means nothing that she's saying elders her presentation and there is so much emotion and so much effort and so much time that had gone into it and then it's just like it just makes you so mad <laughs> like that that that's yeah and that it made, it made me really sad it was really sad Fisa as well you say about Angela being fake as well and just think I mean apart from her whole personality at certain points especially in episode two that the moment where she also puts her hand up like excuse me is this meant to be a historical figure and you just think oh, so much of it is around fake niceties and it's pretending to be mm-hmm. nice in a way. And it also makes me wonder if obviously Elle knows that Angela's not being nice to her. So that bit does make me kind of wonder if uh, in her mind, because of how she has been treated and we find that out later yeah. on the line, I'm not saying there are parallels between Angela and the villain of (laughs) season four. But do you know what I mean? That if you think about the way, slight spoilers for later on, the way that character acted around her and then Elle's essentially treated in the same way with Angela. Fake Mm -hmm. niceties and then it's a switch. And at the moments when she's saying to her, like, oh, these are my... Or saying to Angela in episode two about her, just tell Mike that we're friends, tell more of this, tell more of that, to, like, make everything... You know, it's creating her own little bubble because it's almost like a thing that I can't comprehend that not like this is happening again but it makes me wonder if maybe that's why it, it's all going on with her it's just very yeah mm. there's a lot of interesting parallels and I think actually going from the bullies to what happens later on it's it's a very clever way of drawing I guess I don't want to say drawing the trauma out but do you know no, what I mean? It, I it's agree. very interesting parallels to make between the two. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think they did that really well. And it's one of those things that at first glance, you wouldn't necessarily think that. You know, you would just think, oh yeah, it's high school bullies. But actually, the the parallel is, is so well done and so kind of like intricately put throughout the season. And the Duffers have always spoken about like human villains and stuff. And I think bullies are some of the worst human villains that you can come across. So yeah, no, I, I, the, the, the parallels were done really well. And it's definitely something which is very kind of woven throughout. Um, and I just hope that in, in episode eight, 
um, with some of the other people that are around, Elle can just kind of let them know exactly how she feels about certain things because I just, it is heartbreaking to watch the way that people around her treat her. Like it is horrible. In regards to that though, I kind of hope she doesn't because surely that goes against her whole storyline if she does yeah, no, do it that yeah, way and it right. really contradicts I guess how she acts in episode one and also yeah. one moment in episode two so I don't know because I mean, obviously we'll talk about it in episode two a little bit more but there's one moment towards the end of that and the Duff Brothers said you're meant to feel conflicted by it and I think if, if that's what they're going for I feel like if what we assume is going to happen in episode eight happens in episode eight I think it will still mm-hmm. create that conflicting idea in your mind that you're going to think, yeah, it's really great. Of course she did it. I'm glad she did it. But at the same time, she hasn't, not that she has to change, but she hasn't learned anything. Then she's still the monster. Yeah. Or in her mind, she's the yeah. monster. But that's a later episode discussion. That's a later episode. That is an interesting discussion, though, actually. I hadn't really thought about that. But no, you are right. Because, yeah, your initial response is like, yes. And then it's like, no. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You are right. Um, but, no, I, I really did like the way that they did the California stuff, like the the introduction and the way that we got to see them and stuff. And, and I love the dynamic between Will and Elle specifically and, like, the way that Will is helping her and, like... He, in her, in his mind, that's his sister. That, that's his sister. I, I'm really glad they they went that dynamic with it. I had my worries. Have my worries. Same. There's still half going down that storyline. I think, but at least it's not. No, they kind of go into it a little bit in episode two, but it, it, it's not like he's there. Like I absolutely despise you, which I'm glad about. Yeah, he's just annoyed at his sister. Yeah, exactly. It makes me wish we saw more, more of it. <laughs> it's okay we will see all of it when um it all ends happy and joyce and Hopper get married and um it's just happy sunshine and rainbows yeah 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 i think that is pretty much everything with california we are gonna jump all the way across country to indiana and i'm also gonna let you know about another way that you could jump from California to Indiana in the space of, like, two seconds. Are you suggesting that people use Surfshark VPN? <gasps> I am suggesting that people could use Surfshark VPN. But what is Surfshark VPN? So Surfshark are a VPN, which is a virtual private network, which will essentially mask and protect your IP address so that you can browse safely and privately. Now, unfortunately, the party didn't have that in the 80s, but I'm sure you can see how it would benefit them in many different ways. For example, Mike Wheeler, he could have hid his location. Instead, he could have been in a variety of countries. Dustin also seems like the kind of person to want to watch some TV. Yeah, definitely. With Surfshark VPN, he could have watched a variety of programs that are not available on American streaming programs. For real though, Surfshark is something which is really, really useful. I've been using VPN for years now. It is genuinely one of the 
best things. The Surfshark, which I really, really like, has an antivirus, which isn't currently available on the Mac, but it will be very soon and it's available on other devices. The other thing which I really like is when I signed up and put my password in, they were able to scan to make sure that my password hadn't been breached before. I also really enjoy that you get real search results. I've used other VPNs in the past and I don't like the fact that sometimes it masks the actual results of what you're trying to look for, whereas Surfshark is, is one that does that, which I do really appreciate. And you get real-time alerts as well, so if there's any kind of issues with your email or any type of like hacking thing, you get those alerts, so it lets you know, which I think is really useful. So if you want to know a little bit more and want to use Surfshark VPN for yourself, you can go to surfshark.deal slash Hawkins podcast and enter the promo code Hawkins podcast and you can get 83% off and three months extra free. We absolutely love three months extra free. We absolutely do love three months extra free. So that's surfshark.deal slash Hawkins podcast and enter the promo code Hawkins podcast. So I was going to sing let's go back to Indiana, but I'm not going to do that. Shall we talk about Hawkins? Let's talk a little bit about Hawkins. I am going to jump straight in and say what I said earlier, that I loved the reintroduction of the party with Nancy running in to the room and being like, what are you doing? It definitely had season two, I'll pay you back vibes. And I love the way that we got to that kind of reintroduction to the wheelers. We got confirmation that Karen and Ted are just letting 14-year-old Mike hop on a plane and go to California. Let's say he's 15. Doesn't make it much better. But 15-year-old son just cross states. Why not? Off we go. And yeah, we got to that sort of, that reintroduction. We got to see that really nice scene of Stephen Robin in the car, which I loved. And, and I think it was just a really sort of nice reintroduction to all of our party it just makes me wish that we kept mike there a little longer that's my thing and i did want it to be a little bit longer I, i've said this from the start i would have liked him to arrive and say like, you have yeah. episode three I, I just think i don't know it would have been nice to have seen him with dustin and lucas and max a little bit more because the moment we did see him with dustin it was like we've got a new pairing and Dustin and Mike now and it's yeah. really exciting I thought we're actually finally seeing them interact because I feel like weirdly yeah like obviously they, they interacted in season one but since then they haven't really spoken a word to each other yeah <laughs> I would have liked to have had that established maybe just a little bit more it was also nice to see him playing D&D again and it, for me he just felt at least in that episode no, in fairness, actually, no. He felt, to me, throughout the season, he felt more Mike. Well, a lot more Mike than he did no, in I season agree. three, to me. Um, and it was nice to just see him back a bit. Do I wish he had a bit more to do as a general thing in volume one? Absolutely. And I don't know why we didn't use him a bit more. Um, same mm. with the rest of the California crew, to be honest. I, I don't know why we didn't do that. But the moments we had him, I wasn't mad. No, no, I um, I did really like the way that we got to we got to see see him. To be honest, and I mean, after the way he was in season three, the fact that he is like excited about D and D again, and kind of turns to Lucas and is like, oh, "We are the nerds. Like, what do you want? Like, mm. sort of thing." I think he's sort of taking that back and sort of owning it a bit. Should have been more supportive of Lucas's uh, basketball game. We'd heard about it before, about them not going, and it sounded so tragic, like it was a malicious 
we're not going, we don't care. And they don't really, but we didn't know that they actually had scheduled the D&D campaign at the same time. Like, it- Oh, no, I, I fully knew they'd scheduled the D&D campaign at the same time. Oh! <laughs> like, I fully oh, knew. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know there was the campaign. It doesn't make it any easier, and I think... I can un- I can understand the the tension and I can understand why they didn't go because of they also had their plans and then that's what they they were interested in but then also like Lucas had shown nothing but support for his friends for that whole time. Do you know mm. what I mean? So it it was it was very tricky and it was just a bit like you want to put them all in the room and be like boys just talk it out sort it mm. out. Yeah, in fairness to them, they they do say, wait, no, that's the time of the campaign. But then, yeah, you know, they don't, and they do try and speak with Eddie about it. But then, I don't know. I feel like if I was them, I personally would have gone to the game. I, I feel like that was maybe yeah, me too. a bit more important, especially no, I would have too. the way that Lucas is talking about it. It, it clearly means a lot, even if he is in their mind just a bench warmer. And I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily came across great for Mike and Dustin in that situation, especially when you see after the game has happened and Lucas has won it for them. And he just, the look on his face as they walk out the door as Lev finished their campaign at conveniently exactly the same time. It's Done. like, oh. Uh, but I, I'm glad they didn't kind of keep that tension there for too long. And that obviously when it came right down to it, that Lucas is like, no, this is this is my priorities. And I think Lucas actually, people don't give Lucas enough credit as a character because he's kind of always done that. And we've said that about him in season one as well. But a lot of people are like, oh, he was acting so awful around Elle. I'm like, well, in fairness, what would you do? Would you no. not be cautious? <laughs> like this yeah. random girl has turned up. She can pretty much kill people. With her mind, she'd hurt Lucas at that mm-hmm. point as well. Why on earth are you gonna trust her? So I completely get why Lucas in season one is like that, and I think I feel like we it would have been nice to have seen more of Lucas, but we finally got some Lucas development. I think in season four, which I think is about a whole season way too late, to be honest. Oh, so yeah, I love Lucas. I like as a character. I think he the way that is they've explored him in this season was done really well and and you can definitely see that in the way that Caleb's been talking about his character development this season as well um but no I agree with you I would have gone to the game because if no if people didn't show up if they didn't show up to the D&D game what was Eddie gonna do he just wouldn't have run the campaign like the campaign can wait like it can wait like I'd uh, I, I yeah I get that uh, they wanted to play it but it can also wait like those matches like when Lucas was like why can't we not just talk to Eddie and ask him to reschedule and they were like why don't you just talk to a coach it's like not how it works not not how it works there there was two very different situations there but yeah I am glad that we did obviously we then got to see sort of like know that they're my friends kind of we're gonna mm. You but know. more of that later on. I will say, as much as I wish they hadn't gone to the thing, I did like that we got to see Erica win and Lucas win at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that was a really nice shot, actually. I think just 
the whole framing of that and something that has been interesting has been picked up on that clever little observation thing that the Duffers like to do with D&D games which just sets the precedent for the entire season um, when Dustin rolls an 11 it isn't enough to kill Vecna and it's when Erica rolls a 20 that it's fine like okay we've done it so I uh, you know does that mean the L isn't going to be enough to defeat Vecna who knows I I just any the duffers don't do things by accident as they've told us in many interviews about will sexuality <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many interviews Sean Levy was like if you're what was it if you've been picking up on the breadcrumbs then then know, it's you're probably right it was something like that I've definitely yeah it's like Sean there's been breadcrumbs for season this season it was a whole loaf of bread <clears throat> like we're not <laughs> it wasn't breadcrumbs season four what what are you talking about it was it was a whole loaf one thing i will say about that though that i think there's been a as as time has gone on people have been less mad because noah then spoke at a convention and was pretty much like i like this the feeling from his friends have been there since the beginning and he kind of went off about it but i think do i think the interview that he did was the best worded thing the up for interpretation one absolutely not and i feel like someone should tell him to stop saying it's up for interpretation especially when you've got half the other cast that is going yeah will absolutely is like in love with mike and you see it over the course of the season and it's beautiful and you know what i mean i think when you've got moments like that don't tell the person playing the character that it's up for interpretation try and find a different way to word if you're using it as the end of your plot line but i do think a lot of things that people are forgetting when they're saying it's un unlabeled and this has been the biggest issue with it that as a character is will necessarily gonna know at this point and especially if we then think about what robin says earlier or in the same season in episode one as well when she says about was it something like yeah something about if if steez asks out the wrong girl then it's you know what a bit of embarrassment if if robin does it then i'm the town pariah which like i think was such a good scene. That whole scene in the car, I absolutely loved anyway. Like, I love their friendship. I also, I love that Steve is just so unquestionably supportive. Mm. He doesn't out her at any moment. Like, he's just so great. And that whole conversation, it kind of reminded me a bit of when um, Jonathan and Nancy are talking in season three. And Nancy's like, you have no idea what it's like to be a woman in the, in like a workplace. And mm. Jonathan's like, yeah, but you also come from money. And they're both kind of right in that situation of like, y- you have never, she, Nancy's never known the struggles of being poor, but Jonathan's never known the struggles of being a woman trying to work in a male dominated industry. Mm. And I think obviously Steve isn't, <laughs> Steve isn't right in, in his situation, in, in his conversation where he's just like, just ask him it's fine but Robin that same thing was her kind of speaking up and being like you're not part of this minority you don't know what that will be like you 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 will never know what that is like and I think that was done really really well um and I think people are in one breath saying that was done really well and then the second breath criticizing Will's storyline and I'm thinking, but Will Stroland isn't finished yet. We don't we don't know these things. And yet. the thing about that is that let's use the argument that people are saying, Oh, but he's been up on the upside down, he's had trauma, he's had this and that, and then, yeah, that is also there. 
But then that only mm-hmm. adds to probably how he's feeling at the same time. Obviously, we don't know how the storyline is going to end. In my mind, it's pretty obvious how the storyline is going to end. So I will, I'll try and keep it neutral. But obviously, there's going to be a bias here. I think if he's got all of this in his mind anyway, and has had all this backstory, in his mind, this is only like another thing that is going to add to yeah. that. So I personally, yeah. I read the whole up for interpretation article. If you read a bit later on, when it says that he's figuring himself out, he's figuring this, I'm figuring this out. This, as I said, is another thing that's kind of adding to that. And I think it is interesting to show someone that is figuring that out and maybe doesn't quite know mm-hmm. yet if they're gay, if they're bi, if they're whatever. And I think showing that yeah. part at the beginning, and I think if that's what they've been doing, the way they are doing it, you know, is a good way of showing it. I think... I don't know, I think maybe a lot of people will look at what is happening with Will and go, actually, yeah, that is exactly it. And online, on Twitter, there are a few people who say they've been born mm-hmm. in the 80s, after that as well, and or not born in the 80s, who were around that age in the 80s, are all saying, no, I completely get that, and Will wouldn't yeah. do that. You know, he wouldn't yeah. just come out and say it, so to no. speak. I, I think there's been a lot of... We'll get back to Robin in a second because we've skipped there. But I think there's been a lot of frustration online. But yeah. I do think, yeah, one, wait until the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a little conversation between Will and Mike about it or Will and Jonathan, whoever. Um, but, you know, it, it is typical to the period. I, You're not... Will isn't going to have someone there that he can look up to. Well, you know... Alan Turing, I guess. But he's not going to have someone that he can look up to to go, yeah, I completely get that. They get me. This is safe. It's so much of it is going to be, I mean, use Mike, for example. Is Mike going to be okay with this? Let alone if it is him that he likes. Is it going to be a thing? Yeah. Like, is Mike even going to want to be my friend if I even tell him this one part of it? Or is Dustin going to be my friend? Or Lucas, I've moved away to California and now I'm starting to feel mm-hmm. things and think things that maybe I haven't really thought of before. And the, the separation between states has done this is, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot going yeah. on up here. So do I think the interview was worded in the best way? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I, I think there should be a communication between people to be like, who can say what? And who is saying different things? It's, it's been everywhere. But yeah. I do think, yeah, it is good to sometimes go, yes, this character, we're labelling this character. But it's also just as good to say these are feelings that someone could be experiencing and you don't have to know immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like I went on a massive rant there. Long story short, <laughs> I, I'm not mad. I just think conversations should be had but no i think i think you are right in that it is just as important to see um the way that he's kind of working through it as well because i think like we've sort of a lot of people have sort of assumed that it's something which he would have been aware of for a while because obviously there has been hints in it and in the show bible it says that he has like sexual identity issues and like that kind of thing but then Actually, because of the trauma that he's experienced as well, there could be, it could be a genuine mix of he did want to sort of 
he wasn't thinking about these things for a while. Like, all of his friends were like, I have a girlfriend, I have a boyfriend, like, you know, and, and that was something that was in their mind. But in his mind, he's still processing these, these things that have happened to him, you know. Or the and fact then, that he feels, like, distance from his friends is that a misinterpretation. It's like, no, I just want to be close to my friends. And then it's taken yeah. going away to be like, hmm, maybe not. Ah, uh, exactly. And I think, like, it... It is really difficult. Like, it's a really difficult thing to kind of work through in your head. You never know how someone's going to react. You never know how someone's going to react to that situation. Like, you can trust and care about someone so much and think that you can trust them and you don't know how they're going to react. So, if- Which is what Will essentially says in episode five exactly he does and mike's his best friend you know if he does tell him not only is he telling him hi mike i like boys he's also saying and i like you and that's his best friend and that's terrifying so i think we can let will have a little bit of mental processing time (laughs) let's give the boy a break yeah just let him let him have a moment exactly exactly yeah, I mean, would it be a Hawkins Zoo copy episode if we didn't go on a tangent about Will Byers? But I think it's a very important discussion to have, actually. And I think a lot and of technically, them... we're talking about Robin. As well. <laughs> so, um, it's not just Will. We got there from no, actually, we didn't get there from Robin. We brought Robin into it, but we were on Will, you know. But no, I think it's a it's an important discussion to have, and I think. Um, it's it's played really well as well. I think the way it's kind of like put throughout the season is is done quite well. Back to Hawkins. Back to Hawkins. Shall we talk about Max? Max is going through it a little bit, isn't she? Tiny bit. Yeah. I'm really glad they are doing it in the way they're doing it though, and obviously it's revealed probably how they're doing it in episode four. Yes. But I mean, it is kind of like the whole survivor guilt thing and just you know really kind of trying to cope you know it's she's interesting because max is still there like she's still there as a character and we see that in the little ways like when dustin says about do you want to come and join this she's like oh do you want to get do i get a cool t-shirt and she's like smiling you think like so you know it's still the little bits but just dealing with so much in her mind and i think the scene when she's walking through the school and it kind of cuts from l in mm-hmm. California to Max walking through with running up that hill playing and yeah. she's kind of looking to everyone in in her mind they're really staring at her um like almost like she's done something wrong yeah and like Lucas does it and the people in school do it and actually and then Christy walks past and she's looking completely down yeah which puts her kind of in the same mindset as she is I think Max kind of looks curious at that doesn't she that yeah it sort of seems like what's going on there because she's coming out of the counselor's office at the same time so I just think it was just a really clever scene. I haven't really seen people talk about like the looks and how Max is perceiving it. But I think that kind of, I mean, that scene for me there kind of sums up her entire storyline and the whole thing. Just, it's on her. It, it's really on her that she's yeah. done something wrong I when agree. actually she's done nothing wrong. She's just grieving her brother that died in front of her. Yeah. So... No, I completely agree. I think that the way that they did grief is so, so good. It's such, it was such a good exploration. And we obviously we will talk about it more in the later episodes, but like the, it's so tricky 
as in like grief as a thing. Like I think everyone expects you to grieve in a certain way. Like, but I think every, yes, there are stages of grief and yes, lots of people go through the stages of grief. But I think the general consensus is that everybody will grieve in the same way and will reach each stage of grief at the same time. But actually that's not what happens. And like any type of grieving is personal to that person that's grieving. Um, And I think that that was just done so, so, so well. And you could just see, like you said, the way that people were sort of like looking at her and stuff. That was that's her kind of processing things because the way she's grieving is she thinks that things are her fault. So she, she is going to think that people are sort of looking at her, you know, and then she, that's why she's kind of pulling away. And, but then you still see that there are things that, you know, she listened to Lucas's game. She didn't go, but she was listening to it because she still cares, but she's still just kind of taking time to kind of get back to sort of, into things because you know things aren't going to be the same and stuff and I think it it was just done it was done brilliantly and I think you're right but I haven't seen many people talk about the the hallway scene but that was that was really really good and I think also the parallels with Elle, L is also grieving um so no you're you're right that scene is a really important scene I think Obviously, there's not much more you can say with Max without going into spoilers for later episodes. So mm. let's move swiftly on to Christy. Yeah, and Eddie. Because that was cute. Yeah, it was nice to see Chrissy have that one moment of being happy. Yeah. I think that is interesting because that scene was, it wasn't exactly leaked because it was an audition tape. So I guess in that yes. sense, it was. Um, and it, it comes across so different in that tape and what actually there's been an interview that's come out recently and they said they regret killing Chrissy but they'd already filmed her death (laughs) and then they'd filmed the scene with Eddie and Chrissy and it was like this is heartbreaking because it was just really really nice and just yeah it was just nice to see her smile and him just joking around and it it was just it was just a lovely little scene it was a lovely little scene and it was sad to see kind of knowing that she was going to die. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I knew that. You know, it wasn't on, wasn't online at all that she was going to die. Nope. But just kind of like knowing, knowing what was going to happen and knowing that it was going to be because, you know, they were in the same place and he was going to see it all happen. It was just like, yeah. and it was going to happen anyway, but it just felt so tragic. Yeah, it did. And like, I think talking about them is actually how we can sort of, we can talk about the actual horror aspect of it now. Um, Because, you know, this season went straight into slasher, supernatural horror, um, which was done very well. And obviously Chrissy was the the first person to unfortunately uh, experience the wrath of Vecna. The Vecna. And I think that, they they set that up really well, actually. Um, I spoke a little bit about this. We spoke a little bit about this in our initial wrap-up about the elements of, like, the ring and how that played a part and it was an influence and that kind of thing of you watch this tape, you die in seven days. And obviously that is kind of a, a, a bit more later on. But 
even that sort of thing with with Chrissy, you could tell that something was wrong and that she wanted something to help her sleep and something a bit stronger to kind of take her mind off of things. And I think like then seeing those seeing Vecna in her mind and then that was very kind of Nightmare on Elm Street y and I think like even that really nice scene between Chrissy and Eddie had that kind of undertone of like, oh my God, you know what's gonna happen. You know, it it's that it's that kind of relief of oh okay yeah okay things things could be okay but then you know what's going to happen and then it's kind of there and I think those scenes are very prevalent in horror films and horror shows and they are the most heartbreaking scenes because you know what's going to happen and it it's going to be taken away and that's yeah that's really sad and obviously it's sad that Eddie was the one that had to watch that happen as well um and although that when he was like, I don't like this, Chrissy, wake up. That made me laugh. That was quite funny. Yeah, the thing that people have compared to Lin-Manuel Miranda, just <laughs> oh, shouting at that. Have you not seen it? People have been like, just, why does it sound like Lin-Manuel Miranda? No. Like, Chrissy, wake up. <laughs> I haven't seen it. That's funny. That was a funny, that that did make me laugh. I See, that was the thing about like Stranger Things and the Duffers is those elements of humour in the face of like, such horror it's a nice balance for me the balance in this is better than the balance in season three i'm gonna stop moaning about season three because (laughs) every time like it was so much better than season three season three how dare they do this (laughs) just i think for me it felt season three i know it had to exist I, i know it had to but it it kind of feels like everything is just slightly better executed in season four I agree. The, it felt like season three was trying to be fun and humorous, but actually his dark. But season four feels like we know it's dark, but also we could put those layers of humor in. And at some, mm-hmm. sometimes it felt almost like improvised humor. And it, it really, it, it worked. But I'll get more into that. <laughs> the general consensus, the subtitle of this podcast is just more of that later on. But, you know, it, I think it just kind of just, you know, it, it really works in in that way and an interesting episode one for me was the one that kind of clicked in my theory head and I thought I, I know exactly what's going to go on now then especially reading a certain character's uh character description I thought yeah okay it was the line of uh time to make like the pain go away now yeah I thought I know who you are Vector. I know I know yeah no I completely agree you saying about improvised humor one scene which you said before that you find quite funny, which I feel like that was the case in, is when Dustin and Mike are trying to find a sub. And they're like, so you fight? He's like, yeah, with dice. Yeah. It's, it felt very, I don't know, it felt very them. Yeah. I think. So that was kind of, I think, an accidental mix of all the episodes. But that's episode one. It was episode one. We spoke about episode one. We, we have. We've spoke about... It's, it's a long discussion about episode one and then attempting not to reference later episodes and failing badly at doing that. I think when you do a series review, though, it, it is something which is going to come into play. So, you know, while we are sort of breaking down more of that episode, we are going to be referencing other things. That's just what's going to happen. So, defending ourselves there. There you go. Just there we go. There we go. Um, we'd love to know what you guys think of episode one. Um, and your thoughts, feelings, um, favorite moments of episode one, 
favourite quotes of episode one? What do you wish we'd seen more of? All the things. And then very soon you'll have our episode two. So, you know, you don't don't have to wait that long. It's great. But while you're waiting, you want to catch up. There are many places you can hear us talk about things that are not just the episodes, but in fact things that are probably null and void now that season four has come out. And there are many places where you can do that. And that's pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. We are probably there. If not, let us know and we'll see if we can add ourselves to it. Or you can talk to us on social media at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hawkins Podcast, or YouTube and Tumblr at Hawkins Do You Copy, and eventually at some point at HawkinsDoYouCopy.com. Please don't hold it against us. There's been a whole season, there's been a disastrous holiday. It has been a time for us. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Hawkins Do You Copy podcast, and we will see you next time. Over and out.